Welcome to the Codependent Me podcast. I'm Tamala Shaw, a recovering codependent, a codependent life coach, and the co-author of God Turned Mommy's Wine Into Water. This podcast was created to increase the awareness of codependency and to give a more holistic look at the journey and healing of codependence. Welcome to the fourth episode of Codependent Me Podcast. Today I thought we'd talk about detachment. Detachment is basically the act of separating from someone. Uh, Not physically just separating, but stepping back from that particular relationship. Uh, If you talk to someone on the phone every day, if you're kind of detaching, you may talk to them twice a week, right? Why detach? I'm glad you asked. Codependents are attracted to people who have needs. So our addiction is to fix others. These relationships become dysfunctional. So when recovering, everyone isn't going to love the way that you're doing it. It's kind of like the bear that I talked about in episode two. So sometimes the best way to deal with it or to have balance, you need to detach from people. It's all on what's healthy for you. So if It could be a full detachment or it could be a partial detachment, meaning I'm just stepping back. So reasons that you would detach from whomever, the the person that you're in this relationship with, is it's because of dysfunction, abuse, addiction, basically anything that's toxic. It's also very difficult to detach from people and one of the reasons is because you love them like even though things have gone bad or things are very toxic now there is a love there you've put time in that relationship and sometimes it's family where you grew up with them or they raised you you know so there's a lot of different reasons that you need to detach from loved ones Um, you may feel responsible for that person And feel like if you pull yourself away from them, then they won't make it, which is very codependent of us. Uh, Guilt is another reason. You feel guilty because you're standing on your own or you might be, because you're standing on your own, you actually may see that person struggle. But remember, again, in a prior episode, we were talking about those wings. Sometimes you have to struggle to become a butterfly. So you have that guilt when you watch them struggle. Fear of not having that person in your life because they may get upset. They're angry and they act as if they're going to pull you out of their life or, excuse me, pull themselves out of your life. When in all actuality, if you just stick through it and kind of let things happen, most times things will come back together. Most times, not guaranteed, but most times. Another reason is you don't want to disappoint or anger them. Well, you know what? I'm sure a lot of people have disappointed you, and you will disappoint some people. And as long as you are not doing it on purpose or you're not being hateful, it just kind of is what it is. And sometimes, well, most times when you're detaching, you're detaching for you. And if you're doing it in love and you're doing it Um, you know, you're not being spiteful, it'll be okay. 
So in your process of detaching, you have to communicate your needs to that person. So let's say, let's go back to the boundaries episode where you're doing everything that you need to to have your boundaries and you're communicating what your boundaries are, right? Um, And then the next thing you do, you know, while you're working your boundaries, you're working your steps and you're going to to your meetings, you're doing all of this to build your strength. That's like your workout. And those of you who are not ready to go to meetings and all of that, have yourself someone that you trust that can be your accountability partner. If I told you how many times I wanted to have hard conversations and I didn't have them because I was scared or, you know, again, feeling guilty But if I had, you know, found someone that was my accountability partner or or someone that I could trust, things may have turned out a little bit different for me. But whatever you decide to do, just make sure you do it in love. Because this is uncommon territory, you have to be sure to be present and acknowledge how you're feeling every step of the way. Because every step is going to be a little bit different. You're going to you know, you might find yourself being nauseous. I know there were times where I had to have heart conversations and I would literally get sick to my stomach because I didn't know how the other person was going to respond. Now that sounds like, you know, maybe I was in a physically abusive relationship, but I wasn't. But it was just those hard conversations I avoided most of my life. So just the thought of having them made me literally sick to my stomach. So That's why I'm saying, like, make sure that you communicate your need, because when you communicate your need and that person doesn't do what your need is, then maybe you will feel a little bit better about having that detachment that you may have to step into. So be sure to be present in where you are at that moment and acknowledge the feelings that come with detachment. Sometimes you're going to feel like you're grieving You're going to feel angry because you don't understand why that person doesn't understand. You're going to feel lonely because sometimes it feels better to have someone toxic around than to be alone. When in all actuality, that is not true. You might be sad. You might feel relief because sometimes when you do something that you've been wanting to do but dreading it, when you finally do it, it's like a load off your shoulders. And then when you get to the point where you've accomplished all the things that you need to and you're not really dealing with some of the toxic behavior that you've dealt with in the past, you're proud of yourself, you know, and that comes with happiness. And that is the goal. The goal is to have peace, happiness, and of course, being proud of yourself is going to come with that. There is no perfect or easy way to detach from someone that you love. So don't think that it's going to be easy because it's not. Old habits die hard. But just like in life, failure will be a part of your success. So if you fall off the wagon, actually break down and, you know, go against one of your detachments, it's okay. Just next time, you know, try to stand on it again. But understand When you know better, you do better. So in all of this, love and trust the process. I've had personal detachments due to addiction, negativity. What I always try to remember is that I'm pursuing peace and tranquility. 
that's going to require lifestyle changes. You got this. If you have any questions, you know where to hit me. Codependentme at Outlook.com. Or if you'd like for me to be your coach, you can contact me at codependentcoaching.com. And now I have a treat for you. It was recorded earlier today. I hope you enjoy. Today I have a special guest because it's Black History Month. I wanted to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart, and that is therapy and meetings in particular in the African-American Black community. And this special guest that I have is one of my favorite people. It is my mommy. And we were talking the other day and realized that we had the same experience when it came to going to meetings. Of course, my meetings were codependent meetings. Um, But the one thing that I realized when I was going is that I didn't see me, meaning whether it be uh, gender or uh, race, people want to see what they can relate to. Mm -hmm. If people can relate to a person, it makes them uh, more likely to go back, more likely to understand what's going on. So when I started going to the CODA meetings, when I went, I just didn't see, I didn't see my age bracket. I didn't see my race. Um, I did see my gender. So I was able to connect with those women, uh, but most of them were older women. And so I didn't really feel like I had a lot in common with them. So I went to a few and eventually went to a different location and found the same thing. And that's kind of what started me moving toward the direction of starting Codependent Me because I wanted to possibly have a younger crowd um, and black crowd, (laughs) to be honest about it. I mean, I'm trying to be totally honest. Now, I did find when I went to the CODA conference that there were more black people Uh, in cities like Atlanta, states like California, which I was very, very happy to see that. But here in Nashville, Tennessee, I did not find a lot of black communities that uh, were familiar with codependency. So I was talking to my mom about it and she was saying that she felt the same way. Now this was, what, in the 80s? 85, 86, in the early 80s in Milwaukee. Right. So she said that she felt the same way. And so she hard time finding different, you know, I'm not going to tell her story. So everyone, I want to introduce my mommy, Gail Shaw. And welcome to the show, mama. Well, thank you for having me. And this is a pleasure. I'm very, very nervous, but I'll get through it. I'll get through it. It's just me and you. One of the things that when I first started recovery, I would go to... Oh, guess what? What? We didn't... Now, if if people have listened to the first episode, then they know your story, a bit of it. But they... Oh, I did. Okay, so I have to tell them. Yeah, we didn't. I didn't introduce that correctly. It's okay. It's okay. So my mommy is a recovering alcoholic. How many years have you been sober? In May, it will be eight this time. 
All right. She said this time, y'all. It's all right to fall it's off. the last time, but it's this time. That's right. It's all right to fall off the wagon just as long as you get back <laughs> on. on. Right. So, yeah, she is a recovering alcoholic. And uh, I'll let you take it from there. So what, what we were saying was, what is your experience when it came to meetings back in the 80s? Okay, in the 80s in Milwaukee, Wisconsin... I would go to meetings, and mostly there were men, Caucasian men, Mm -hmm. some women. Didn't see blacks at all. Normally, in in most meetings, I was the only black, and that was kind of hard for me. But I knew I needed to go to the meeting, so I would continue to go. I was looking for someone that looked like me, Mm -hmm. where I could relate to, that lived in the same area, had the same interests, you know, so if you go to a meeting and the people don't look like you, you don't really feel like you belong. Right. So in the very beginning, it was hard because I just felt out of place. And so I would um, go to the meetings, but I wasn't really, really comfortable. So let me ask you this real quick. Did you know any other recovering alcoholics personally when you were going through your situation? No, ma'am. So you were, so what made you say, this is enough? Because obviously, I mean, I know you are not the only alcoholic that you knew. Mm -hmm. So what made you say, this is enough, I need a meeting? You mean originally when I stopped drinking or just, it was, my life was out of control. I had tried different things myself to get it under control and mm-hmm. I, it was, I was out of control and I knew I needed help. And one of the things that when I went to the hospital, which hospital, I didn't know if it was DePaul. I, okay. That's okay. Oh, okay. It was okay, DePaul. Okay. okay. I went to the hospital, DePaul hospital for outpatient, uh, detox and the different, you know, and for different classes. Mm-hmm. And when that, so after I, you know, I found out, I realized that I was an alcoholic and needed the help. Then they gave me the information and said, you know, I would need to go to meetings in order to stay sober. And so, in the meetings, you have you share with one another. You try to, uh, so you share different stories, mm-hmm. and then the stories that they had again was very different. They were different yeah. from the life that I lived. Mm-hmm. And where I grew up, I mean, I I was one of the first that I knew of that was a recovering alcoholic. Um, so I didn't have anyone to mirror or to yeah. see you know, what should be done, where you should go or whatever. Mm-hmm. So when I went to the different meetings where I didn't see myself, I just felt out of place. And I'm sure back then, because even now, therapy and everything, it's kind of a stigma. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you at least you feel as though it's a stigma. You feel like, oh, I I don't know if I should tell anyone or anything like that. So um, I know with me, it's it's always been hard to go to regular therapy. And, you know, but then when you say, oh, I'm a codependent, Mm -hmm. you know, so in the 80s, I'm sure to say I'm an alcoholic was even harder. I would have family members says, oh, girl, you're not an alcoholic. Just stop drinking. Well, if I could stop drinking, I would. But that, you know, that was one of the problems. Yeah. And I needed help in order to do that. And no one I knew had the tools or knew how to help me. Right. So that's why I went to DePaul. DePaul, yes. So who told you about DePaul? 
I think I looked it up on. No, I was gonna say online. Did you look at my bestie Google? <laughs> <laughs> nah, Google Not wasn't there back then. No. Uh, <laughs> when I oh, funny as it sounds, yellow pages, and it said oh. recovering. Uh, if you were recovering addict or alcoholism, mm-hmm. you looked it up, and then it and DePaul was in the yellow pages. Come through phone book. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I just wondered, you never, ever know, um, how a person feels when they're in a meeting or when they're in a class. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm not saying you can't get what you need in, you know, if you're Chinese in a room full of black people, you know, I'm not saying that at all, but it is good to, like you said, have someone with the same environment, Mm -hmm with the same uh, struggles because nine times out of 10, you know, if, if I'm black and struggling with something, this person could be too. They may not be, but you know, you feel as though they could be. So, right. So what did you, did you try to find different ones? Have you ever known anybody, you know, that was in your shoes or do you just find that now that you talk about it more, other people talk about it more? Well, so I was going to say, fast forward 30 years, well, things are a little different now. You have more people that are aware of alcoholism, are more eager to speak about it. Um, there's different groups for AA meetings. I you know, find more meetings that where there are people like me. And then, like you said, it doesn't. you don't necessarily have to have a meeting where they're all black, but it's just like you have some people in a meeting that you can identify with. So now the the meetings are a lot more diverse than they were years ago. So, I mean, you can go to a meeting now and find a lot of people of different ethnicities, and it's, it's much better than it was 30 years ago. So 30 years ago, I felt like a, I felt like a loner, and mm-hmm. now I feel... Like there's a community, right? There's a community of people, and we work together, and we stick together, and we help each other out. So it's a little different than it was thirty years ago. And the internet, I'm sure, has come a long yes. way. Yes, yes. So that's good. Well, thank you for stopping by and having a little bit of conversation with your daughter. <laughs> it's my pleasure. I appreciate you, and you have a great day. We will uh, talk to you codependent me people later. Talk to you soon. Bye. I understand that nothing is more valuable than your time, so thank you for listening. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Codependent Me, and check out my website at codependentme.org. Thanks so much. Have a great day.